I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Boxer Pod. Maybe you are listening for the first time. Go back. Go back and listen to the lot. We're really proud of the catalogue of interviews that we've got. Whether you recognise the big names or not, I think they're very entertaining. But we hope they are anyway. That's the point. Um, And please recommend us to some friends. Share us. Do all of that stuff. Um, thank you for doing that, but you really could try harder. Thanks. Welcome to episode 17 of the Box Set Pod. On the pod today, we've got a, a, a movie composer, a TV uh, box set composer, and it's it's a it's a, it's a momentous occasion. We this is the last in the series of the Box Set Pod. Yes, of the first season of the Box Set Pod, it ends today. Yeah, now this is because we're about to have a Easter break in the UK, but also Jamie is about to get married and go on his honeymoon, gonna so it's going to be uh, two or three weeks before we're back on the Box Set Pod. Um, so that gives you plenty of time to go back and listen through the back catalogue, share it. By the time we get back, we'll have absolutely zero listeners. Everyone will have dropped off. You know what would be lovely though is if. You know, see yourself as a, you're the marketing director for the box set pod. And while we're away, spend all your time just doing your job, marketing this podcast, tweeting it, promoting it. Starting to sound desperate. (laughs) Starting to sound desperate. Speaking of desperate, we've not had him on for a few weeks. He was once in Big Brother. He writes about TV and talks about TV uh, for his so-called living in the UK. His name is Luke Marsden. Good. Welcome to the pod, Luke. 17 episodes of the box set pod. I must have featured in six. That's the way we like it. That yeah, sounds like a good ratio. Yeah, it's like a guest appearance, you know. But, but, but I signed up for a reoccurring role every week. I did not sign up for cameo guest appearances. We're just saving, you know what it we're is? We're saving we're, the, you know, we're saving, we're, we're treating, it's, it's, it's always, what's, what do you prefer, you know, when you're having like a, a, a jam? How many have you listened to, by the way? I've listened to, on average, 12 of the 17. Right. You should be listening to all of them. You, if you're <laughs> not. Seriously. Jesus. If our I'm employees li- aren't. Well, maybe I'm we won't come back. I'm to double what I'm featured on, though. That's what I'm talking about. That's you should be true. grateful. <laughs> Luke's general, though, he only watches or listens to things that he's been on. Um, yeah, Luke, well, thank you for being patient with us. We What it is, you end up with an interview... And then you have um, the news, and then you have maybe a couple of emails. By the time you got to that point, you're pushing on like 40, 50 minutes. So we've only got time for one of you or like, you or five. Yeah, you we, have to, we have to split you apart. Plus as Do well, you know, huh? while we take this break, I would like an opinion off people as well. Uh, while we sound pretty miserable about not getting thousands and thousands of listening figures, which is <laughs> what we wanted, um, would it be better to break them up? Would it be better for numerous podcasts in a week? Maybe a news one? You know, a five-minute pod. Maybe every morning. Would you rather wake up with your latest TV news every day? Would you like that? Would you like the interviews separate? Would you? How do you listen to podcasts? Do you listen to a full 50-minuter? Do you like it once a week? Do you think it'd be better breaking it down? You have a news one, a Fife one, a Luke one, an interview. 
What about that? Let us know. What do you want from us? You're the customer. (laughs) What the hell do you want? Let us know. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Pop us an email. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. So, Luke... Um, give us a rundown then of what the hell's going on in TV world from your perspective right now. Well, right now we're in a great situation, I think, TV-wise. By the time people would have listened to this, The Walking Dead would have wrapped up in the US and in the UK. So, of course, that's that done with for another season. Let's just discuss, what did you think of the latest season of The Walking Dead? I've not seen the season finale at the time we're recording this. Neither have Um, I. I am going to say that I thought season five has kind of been a stop start, or where you feel as though you're progressing in the episodes, then it stops, and then you have to go back to the beginning. Have I, I enjoyed it? Mm, probably, but I mean, I'm enjoying it for nostalgic reasons, quite possibly. Now, well, let me say this: I think that this last half of this season, so this has been split into two sections, haven't they? Two uh, two halves, one of eight episodes, one of another eight. I think the second half has been a lot, but the first. Eight episodes of this series, I thought we were a little bit naff. Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would agree with that. I, I feel as though season season six, the, I want it to go back to the stretch dome days of them just walking around for episode after episode, trying to get to the next place. Kind of that, that's what I preferred. I actually enjoyed the firm season, which is controversial because many people didn't. Yeah, absolutely. But I know it's been very good uh, this last half, and I think I'm looking forward to the finale. I think it has been building to something. It's been really like a nice. What I do like is is when they do put them these now survivors in amongst other human beings who are in different uh, in a different mindset. Strolling to towards Spoilerville. Sorry about that, but it's a oh. really it's a really good like last half of season six, isn't it? And I've definitely enjoyed it. And something that is back on Star Atlantic in the UK and it's actually gonna be back a week earlier in the US. It's coming up in a matter of days. A show that you two love Mad Men the final episode is imminent. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. I have no idea how they're going to end it. I mean, it's, it, it. I don't know what they'll do with Don Draper. I have no I'm idea. Hoping, I'm genuinely hoping he throws himself off the roof because then the clever thing, though, is we would have known that since the very first episode's opening titles. Well, that's what the the, the opening titles have, yeah. have a figure like the main character, Don Draper, throwing himself off the top of the roof. Maybe that is we, what happens. Maybe that is. Maybe it is. Maybe we're supposed to have known in the drama the tragedy of I this hope that's that. not the ending me too I don't want him to die I want him to get move to California and, and enjoy himself that's what I no, want I want, I want him to be I want him to be you know the you know just the, the identity the, the real him the real identity of Don Draper I want him to be that person and forget about the charade he's been living Maybe, maybe that's what, that's what I think he should do. In the news this week um, John Hamm treated for alcohol um, addiction yeah, mm. uh, he said in a press statement. I don't know if you read this, Luke, but uh, he said that he was that he was feeling like a, a, a degree of fear that the show was ending, that he'd been a, it had been a crutch in his life for a long time, and that maybe that had led to with the escalation in his drinking oh, as well. Well, just carry yeah, that on. That is sad. That is sad. However, <laughs> we've all we've all been binned off from gigs. I was facing <laughs> unemployment go. last year. Did I turn to alcohol? No. Did I cope with it? Yes. Luke, you so, threw up in a female toilet. <laughs> well, <laughs> that out of context, that, Jamie. You, you're taking that completely out of context. <laughs> what I'm saying is, John Hamm, talented actor, he, he must have known he was always going to get work. I mean, to be honest, he probably all got trolled filming Mad Men most of the time anyway. <laughs> that was probably like rehab. Luke, just because you don't realise you're having a breakdown doesn't mean you're not having one. <laughs> <laughs> 
what, yeah, what, you, have you, what have you been up to today, Luke? Talk us through your day so far. Let's work it out. Well, I got up. I ate some Rice Krispies. I used the last of the milk, so now I've got to go out and buy some milk. And I got an email sent back to me that I'd sent a few weeks ago, and I thought, oh, it's being processed and things like that. Turns out it's not. So I'm actually verging on um, bankruptcy. Yeah, breakdown. There we go. Sounds like a breakdown Watch to me. Watch out, Wigan. Watch out, Wigan. He's coming out to buy milk. <laughs> and he's not got his pants on. Uh, Lou, what did you think of the news that Downton Abbey is finishing? This is going to be the final season. You know what? I, uh, I give up on Downton. I was such a big supporter. I remember talking to you two a few years ago um, on your radio show about Downton, and everyone should watch it. I was trying to get Harold to sit down on a Sunday night and watch the show that's captivated. Exactly, but it was it's captivated middle-aged people um, right. around the world. But yeah. I got to about season four. Agreed. And, and I kind of thought to myself, I'm watching the same thing. Yeah, over and over again. You're absolutely right. I watched the Christmas special, a two-hour Christmas special. That was a film, basically, of Downton Abbey, and it was the most boring and uninterested. It's like they've totally run out of plot. Well, can I ask you this? We've talked recently, earlier you were talking about Wake, Walking Dead, and you were saying that you wish that it would just stay like the original series uh, where they're just wandering about doing the same thing. Sometimes I feel like that. Some, uh, we've discussed this before on the box set where you feel like the network has, has has tried to make the writers do something different and dramatic for the next series in order to get it recommissioned. And actually, sometimes you just like being in that world. And we've discussed how there's two different types of box set, really. There's the, there's the long-running plots, which change and develop, like Mad Men and The Wire and all of that stuff. And then there's Chuck and there's Quantum Leap and there's... Uh, prison break perhaps which feel a bit more um disposable and you kind of get the same thing you know what you get in every episode um you've just criticized downton abbey for doing that how is downton abbey different then how, isn't that just what people want they just want to go in that world they want the upstairs downstairs comedy rich person poor person that's it yeah i guess yeah what do you think Luke? yeah no i i agree with that Helen, and i see your point but, but for me six years of oh should we go and get tea in the drawing room it's just a little bit tedious I quantum mean, leap had 99 episodes maggie smith i mean god bless her the woman is i mean she is ancient i mean <laughs> on that show as well the, the, i don't know if they make her look more old but she does and she, you see, she's tired. She's sick of Julian Fellows. Go off and write your New York-based drama in America. But she's dying for this to end. Yeah. I think you see it a lot with shows. Like I think I feel with the problem with Downton Abbey is it's lost momentum. Like it, the characters of kind of like the meandering. Rather than they had like a drive, they were going somewhere early on. Doesn't feel like there's there's much. Doesn't feel like there's much going on in that world. As for Walking Dead, my problem with Walking Dead mainly has always been that it's so miserable. It's like one tone, which is misery. Like, I love Walking <laughs> Dead, but Lauren, my fiance, stopped watching it because there's no, it's just miserable. You yeah. know? It's, it's just a miserable world to be in. Yeah. But at its best, it's full of, it, it is full of like wonderful action and the darkness works. It's just that. Well, I've just right started mix. watching The Wire with my wife because she's not seen The Wire. I've started watching that again. God, it's long. Those episodes are long. Good God. And, mm. and uh, you know, miserable. But There's no way, Luke, you would never watch The Wire. I haven't seen The Wire, no. You're right. I would um, never. I've struggled with Mad Men, I must admit. I've struggled with Mad Men. I feel as yeah. though there's some episodes you, where literally nothing has happened. You and Fife together and Jonathan Ross. Thinking back over the first season of the box set pod, what are the highlights for you two? 
Um, for me, I, I particularly enjoyed the Christmas party. Um, I enjoyed waking up in a hotel room, a skanky hotel on a lab, um, and, and kind of being hungover, talking to Fife, letting me play his cello down the phone. For me, Fife has been a revelation. Who knew there was so much character behind a guy who did a mundane song? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I don't know what my, my highlights are. What do you think, Jay? I think Russell's stories were pretty funny. Russell from Stella. Stella. Um, oh, the interview with Anne from Lilyhammer. That was really interesting. She was yeah. great. Uh, Luke's not listened to that. No, in terms of, I've not listened to that, although I just started Lillehammer, so that's one of the reasons I didn't want to spoil it. No, it doesn't matter, it won't spoil anything. No spoilers on the box set pod. Maybe we we need to, maybe we need to change the title of this thing. The box set pod, no spoilers. No spoilers. Although, you know who I did interview, I did listen to, and I thought you guys did a great job with uh, uh, Tracy Ullman. You enjoyed that, did Tracy you? Tracy Ullman was a good chat. Episode I enjoyed eight. that. Yeah. Yes. I enjoyed David Yellowow. I thought that 10. was quite good fun. Yeah. Uh, talking yeah. about Oprah Winfrey. I enjoyed the first one, Marco Polo's Benedict Marco Wong. Polo. He was good. Um, I enjoyed uh, our chat with Mel from Chuck because I thought it was interesting just the fan site world. I think it is fascinating yeah. and the way course, you can drive something. Episode six was our interview with Lord Richard Attenborough, the late great Richard Attenborough. Check that out. Well, it's been fun. Um, so lots to look forward to uh, as we return. I haven't got any guests lined up. Uh, how's guest booking going, Jamie? Slow. 17 episodes in. <sighs> How many, how many guests you got out of those 17? <laughs> <laughs> how many? Not many. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a slog. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm still going for too many people who are high profile. I probably need to move down the rung. Maybe you do, because we've I had all my for... friends on now. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us. Right, we're going to... Thank you, Luke. I mean, we're thank now going to talk to Timothy Jones, who is the composer of the music on my favourite box set. Please welcome to the box set pod, Timothy Jones. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. How are you? Very good. good. So Tim is the composer. He is a composer. And he is the composer of the music from the box set that I uh, talk about quite a lot on the box set pod. That wasn't meant to happen, which is uh, Chuck. So congratulations. Well done. Thank you. I just thought I'd load my app. And and then I could play for people your music. Are you ready? Oh no! In front of Tim. Yeah, you ready, Tim? <laughs> it's a piano app. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> pre- oh, Tim, how do you feel about how I'm butchering your music? Wow! Wow! I uh, I'll get the sheet music immediately and send it right over. <laughs> Uh, so how did it how did it begin to Tim when did when did uh, composing start for me let's go let's go back to the beginning how long have you been an actual uh, film TV composer for back to the beginning Um, well let's see I I might start just a little bit before that Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was a kid I used to wake up early in the morning and watch monster movies on TV (laughs) you know creature of the black lagoon you know all those great (laughs) old classic monster movies yeah and then I saw Star Wars, and I sort of fell in love with the music for that, and obviously. And um, when I got to college in uh, San Diego at UCSD, um, I, found, I heard about this place called Berkeley in Boston, where you could uh, actually get a degree in film scoring. And so I completely you know, abandoned ship. Uh, I was like, I don't know, had a couple semesters to go or something in San Diego, and 
moved to Boston in the middle of January, which was a massive shock, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and started uh, taking courses there uh, with a, a degree in film scoring and. Um, you know, got a great education there. It's a great school. Well, and Boston, a great city as well. But yeah, I love it. Yeah. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> there you go. That's Chicago. That's that's yeah. Cheers. What are you talking about? It's Cheers, yeah, man. Not, you're thinking to Boston. What is it? Were you playing because of Boston, though? Yeah. Didn't you say you went to Boston? It's Chicago. I, I did. He went to Boston. He's, he's right on. It's you know, Chicago. I, I Jamie, cheers! This is Chicago. No, it isn't. It's same. Tim, tell Jamie. It's in where. Boston. It's in Thank Boston. You. I watched the it? Super Bowl in the bar where uh, it's supposed to have occurred. Uh, okay, <laughs> bad, bad. So now we've weirded Tim out twice. Um, <laughs> so great. So you actually, you actually uh, got the degree. I did uh, bachelor's. You know, with a yeah. major in film scoring. Right, and then and then pretty as we know because we work in entertainment. Once you've got a degree in a creative industry, you just get job offers at the, on the doorstep. Absolutely, I was beating them off with a baseball bat. I mean, <laughs> it's just you know, I guess I should say a cricket bat because we're <laughs> yes, uh, <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I it was important for me because I got a, a lot of valuable information to use but but when i got out here was when my education really began you know it, it's all theoretical until, yes. until you actually hit the street so know? what's it like to, 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 to tell us about the dream factory you land in la and how quickly <laughs> does it become almost impossible well luckily uh at, at that time you still have so much naivete about how things work that you're going to conquer the world and, um, you know, you don't know any better. And, and I think that's really, really helpful because if you knew how it worked, you would give up immediately. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, you know, you, you have a dream to do something and, and you see people doing it and you're like, uh, I want to do that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, furthermore, hey, I have some training, you know, yes. <laughs> so, so you really feel entitled, you know. Um, but what worked best for me, I think, was to uh, actually work for some other composers and get a real sense from the inside of how it works. And, you know, just just learning about all the ins and outs of how people get jobs, what, what it's like when they get a job, you know, how do you finish the job and stay on it without getting fired? And, you know, just, just the, the really sort of nuts and bolts of, of any job when you launch into a career, you know. Did you ever just go and sit outside John Williams' house and uh, weep? <laughs> I never stalked Mr. Williams. Um, hmm. He seemed entirely too nice a man to do that to him. But uh, Is there resentment I, for John Williams? I want to talk about John Williams because I've always thought, you know, he is, he is the king of, of everything. And... Um, it must be frustrating as a composer in a way that I just imagine the composing community go, Jesus, like, how long is this guy going to live for? Because 95% <laughs> of the work has gone just to this one guy. <laughs> well, here's the thing about John Williams. Um, he and some of his contemporaries like jo Jerry Goldsmith and uh, some of the older guys, Franz Waxman is from a, sort of a different generation earlier, but, but I, you know, John had, he came up in a time when, you know, nobody had ever heard of a synthesizer. Everything was recorded live. Um, he really went through the crucible, you know, he worked on a weekly TV shows. He did uh, all kinds of 
stuff that built who he is. And he came up obviously at a time that was very, very different than it is now. And he's got skills that, that a lot of people today don't have. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, in, in, in some ways he's terrifying, you know, <laughs> to another <laughs> really? composer because he's so bloody good. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, some people might take umbrage with this, but I, I feel like it's kind of like having Bach alive. You know, if, if Bach were working in the film industry, you know, he would just scare the hell out of people because he was so amazingly good. It is, a, and, it is an unbelievable track record, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he can write melodies all day long that, that just absolutely are perfect for what they're designed for. Mm. And, and that's a skill that I think is, is uh, in my opinion, sorely lacking. Um, but it, it's also the, the type of things that people are looking for, the producers and directors are looking for, aren't necessarily always thematic. Yeah. You know, there's there's a very much more atmospheric kind of, you know, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross kind of approach to things, which which I also love. You know, yeah. I love soundscapes. I love Clint Mansell. Clint Mansell's good, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. He's fantastic. The thing is, there's a lot of very, very talented people working in the industry. Um, I think there's no shortage of talent, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, as amazing as John Williams is, there's a whole other side to the industry that, you know, John wouldn't be the right call for all films, you know? No. Um, but, but he does have an uncanny knack. And, and is it true about his um, uh, he, turning the, the word, the, the words, the title of the film into, into, the, into the lines? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I have heard that i know very little I, I actually don't know if that's true jurassic park jurassic. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do hey man e-t-e-e-t you know it, it doesn't quite work no. <laughs> <laughs> hey when it comes right down to it and on your you're on a deadline uh whatever it takes to get that music in on time is is uh, fair game so with chuck then uh, how how when were you approached was it oh shit uh, is there an audition process like with composers oh definitely um there is a a, a brutal audition process for just about every job um you know multiple people uh once you get to the final round it's a half a dozen people usually and you know they'll have you demoing to picture or not to picture. But with Chuck, I had worked with a gentleman named Norman Buckley, uh, who's a great editor and also now a director. And I had heard he was working on a pilot. Um, I don't know if your listeners know what a pilot is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, okay. Pretty, they're pretty smart. They're savvy. They can send emails and stuff. So they're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I had heard he was working on something and I, I kind of pestered him said, Hey, I'd love to know uh, if you need any help. You know, he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'll call you in a couple of weeks or something. So I was a complete pain and I got in touch with him again. No, really, if you, if you need any help, I'm here. A few days later, he called me and he goes, all right, you're on the hook. You know, he's like, I hate having people work for free, but I need some help with something. And so he gave me a little piece of uh, what's called temp music um, that the producers were liking. And it wasn't long enough. 
and he needed me to expand it into something that he could use for this action scene. And I uh, hadn't seen picture. I didn't know what project I was working on. All I was doing was musically taking this piece of, of score and kind of writing around it into about a five-minute piece of music. And strangely enough, the Chuck theme was in there oh. um, <laughs> before I ever saw the picture. So oh, at least the bones of it were in there. That's kind of how all of that started. Then eventually I found out the name of the show and sort of what I was doing and, and began helping Norman more and more with the pilot. And it came down to me and, and a few other uh, folks. And I was fortunate enough to uh, get the call to do the show. That's so exciting. Chuck was a, a show that struggled. Uh, you know, we've had Mel from Chuck.tv on in the past. And, I um, love Mel. Mel's fantastic. Oh, great. You know Mel. Does everybody know oh, Mel? very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, it began, it had d- difficult teething problems and they stayed till the end, really, didn't they? But um, <laughs> how, uh, how long would it take you to compose the music for one episode? You know, uh, I think I had as few as four days. Uh, something a little more luxurious would be eight to ten days. That was not likely. It was usually about a week. Holy cow. That's so- a quick turnaround, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fast. So you must have used, I mean, obviously there's r- repeated themes and stuff anyway. So how much How much of a per- in a percentage would you say per episode is something that you can, uh, that you're either on purpose or because you have to copy and paste from a previous one? <laughs> Well, uh, the beginning of any series is the, is the roughest because yeah. you're, you have a lot of ground to cover and you don't have any sort of a, a backlog to lean on. So, you know, when we were starting, it was 30 minutes of music, um, which is an insane amount of music in that short period of time. But it's just sort of what the job requires. But as you go along, you're able to, you know, sort of use more and more of those that thematic material. How much in the dark were you about when it would be recommissioned and cancelled and all of that? <laughs> it was awful. Was it? <laughs> it was awful. Every year you're wondering, oh, God, are we going to be renewed or not? You know, um, because I, I loved the show. I mean, I just really it, it was the kind of show that I would have watched if I weren't working on it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it just kind of hit all the points for me. And so you didn't want to see that go away. You know, you didn't want to see the story have to end prematurely or and, and we got quite a little family going, you know, of people that were working on something that long. And, and I think it was also unique in that we liked each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which isn't always the case. You know? So when you're a composer, how much how much of the family do you how much do you feel part of the family? Because presumably you're you're sat at three in the morning in your in your pants writing music most of the time. <laughs> locked locked away in a dark room. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's lots of dark rooms and, and uh my pajamas are what my wife calls my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> so but then I got a studio outside the house and I had to actually put real pants on. Um, but you know, with Chuck, I uh I got to know quite a lot of the people on it. I don't know if you know this, I was actually in one of the episodes. Which one were you in? Oh. I was in the the episode oh god, I can't remember. It was early in the first season. I was the piano player. We were in a hotel. I was playing piano. There was a God. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I right. can tell the story if I don't remember. Exactly. No, was it like a, one of the sort of undercover the soirees sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll look it up right now, and while we're talking, and I'll tell you. Looking at myself uh, on IMDb. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> not so much that as the night court guy. That would. Uh, 
It's not John Lithgow. It's um. You heard of it? Mm, I don't. Not really. It's no. an American thing. Where is he? John Larroquette. Do you know who he is? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on, Jamie. John Mara. John. It's the episode with John Larroquette, and he plays kind of a, a spy, uh, you know, oh, him. tour. Oh, him. There you go, Jamie. John Larroquette. Oh, him? yeah. He was in West Wing a bit as well. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Wow, you were into, you were, you acted with someone who was in West Wing. Andy Von I acted with Zach Levi. I didn't do any acting, actually. I just sat there and pretended to play the piano. And, you know, of course, I worked with uh, Vic Sahai, uh, oh, yeah. uh, that played Lester for Jeffster. You know. Oh my God! Did you did you create Jeffster? Oh, Jeffster was was all me, all me oh, and a couple my of other people. God. So. Well, you may be wondering why Jamie's being quite quiet in this interview. I've not watched it yet because he hasn't watched Chuck yet. So That's my, okay. So on my okay. list, Tim. No worries. <laughs> um, but that means Jamie hasn't experienced Jeffster, which basically, if Jamie was in a band, he would be somewhere between Jeff and Laster. <laughs> Um, and that would be the band that he created. It's a band Fantastic. created by two losers in a shop. They they do like eighties cover songs. Uh, how would you describe it? Oh, uh, it's gloriously awful. You know, <laughs> um, like when they started, it was really bad. And and what was really funny is is they got better. You know, it's it's sort of we they. I say they. It, it was me working on the, and and a few other people. Uh, my friend Eugene Edwards played a lot of guitar and. You know, we were sort of the the background for for Jeffster, and then Vic Sahai uh, actually came in and sang these songs, and he got better as he went along. And and by the end, I mean the dude was a bona fide rock star. You know, it was it was great. <laughs> I have always thought that one of the best spin-offs that could happen from that series is Jeffster the the series. <laughs> did, did did anyone ever discuss that? Yeah, I mean, there was some talk, but, uh, you know, it's uh, that's those decisions are made so far above my pay yeah, grade. That, uh, yeah. you was, know. Did you do an album as Jeffster? Well, we did. Uh, I think there are, are four Jeffster songs coming out, um, oh. two of them on the bonus content on the digital release of Chuck, and then two on the proper uh, CD release. Wow. So, you have got a new soundtrack out. You're releasing... What is it you're releasing? The Chuck soundtrack? It's the Chuck Score soundtrack, which also has some Jeffster on it. And uh, it's being released by Varez Saraband, uh, one of my favorite uh, film soundtrack uh, you know, labels. Okay. And uh, April 7th in the United States. And I, I imagine probably pretty close to that around the world. Yeah. Is it? Will it be on iTunes? I believe it will. I think it's going to be on all the different uh, platforms. There you go. Well, it's superb stuff. Mel's just emailed me. I just asked. I just said we're interviewing Tim. Um, uh, she wants to know, Tim. Here's a question from Mel in America. How did he decide which cues to include in the soundtrack? Uh, that was really hard. There were 91 episodes with like. 30 minutes of music per episode. So you do the math. Wow. <laughs> you know, wow. Uh, that is a detailed well, question. If you could go through every one of those cues now, that would be. Great. Absolutely. Well, uh, <laughs> let's get right to that. And um, do, you, do you pick the moments? Do you sit there and go, okay, we need, or is it, how does it work? Do you tell the editor, do you provide it? And then the editor goes, yeah, I'm not going to allow that in until he falls over or whatever. <laughs> you mean for the soundtrack? Yeah. I, oh, sorry, I've just realized what her question is. How did you decide which, she's saying which pieces of music to include in the release? Right. I see. I thought she meant, how did you decide the cues on an episode when you're looking at an episode? 
how did you decide where to put the music? Oh, well, was... that, okay, that's fairly simple. Um, I would go into the edit bay and we would have what's called a spotting session. And the editors will have put music where they think it goes. And the producers have seen it and kind of said, yeah, that feels about right, you know. Yeah. And and I may move things a little bit, you know, to kind of finesse things where I come in and go out. But for the most part, they, they just tell me where they want music and I do it. Right. And then how have you decided what to put on the CD then, on the, uh, the CD? Well, I had some help from the fans, actually, because at one point, uh, I mean, I've been trying to get this CD put out since like season two. Jesus. You know? uh, it's been a five or six year journey to get this thing out the door. And... Uh, but I had asked the fans what uh, cues they liked. And so uh, as the requests started coming in, there was kind of a pattern emerged of, of certain cues that people really liked. And so I made sure to put those on the soundtrack. And then with the rest of it, I, I chose what I liked. You know, yeah. I was selfish in that way. <laughs> well, that's good. That's probably yeah. the best way to work. You know, I really want, I really want Tim to play something for us now. Oh, <laughs> How long would it take you to plug something in? Oh, I don't know if you've been... You don't Can want you be, that. We so do. Tim, I mean, we'd I love to does. hear the magic of Tim. Music composing. is your weapon, and you're currently unarmed. Tim, why don't you compose a theme tune for the box set pod? Holy shit, imagine wow, that. Wow, you guys don't have one, huh? No. no and well, we, we, we kind of have... Well, Howard whoa, did whoa, something. Whoa, I have composed a theme <laughs> that is on at the beginning of every box set but it's, we could really easily change it <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah maybe maybe we'll, I'll talk to myself about that later I'll tell you what I'll tell you what if you don't make me play right now yeah. I will write you for free a uh, a proper theme for your show oh, to be dude. sent later oh, oh my god shit that? can you do it with a live orchestra Tim I you got money we can do anything <laughs> <laughs> deal thing. by the that way that's awesome deal. definitely did you feel an extra pressure with season finales to get the music bang mm. you know bring out the trumpets and uh, and you know go bring large. out the trumpets go large <laughs> heavy bass well the very last episode and I don't want to ruin it for Jamie here oh, but yeah. uh, it was beautiful. I spent nearly a week working on that last one simple piano cue oh. really I wanted it perfect you know, after yeah. all of that, to me, it just, it had to be exactly right. And I, and I feel like I got, I got there. I, I was happy with what, what went in. And so how happy were you with the end of Chuck without giving anything away? So I liked it. I liked it. I know it's, uh, you know, controversial, uh, somewhat controversial, but uh, I, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, people seem to criticize it for not being a, a Disney ending, but I think it is a Disney ending whilst also being uh, one of the most real bits of the whole the whole thing you know yeah J use your imagination yeah. you know it, it, what happens is up to you <laughs> right okay <laughs> you know? so it leaves it open does it yeah, yeah. It, it does but not so open that you're annoyed it's not the f***ing Sopranos is it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's uh, like it's better than that in a way <laughs> it's choked better than Sopranos oh yeah no all the pieces are there I mean I think you can just put it together any way you want if yeah. you're yeah. pessimistic nihilist then you're going to see it different differently, <laughs> you know? what do you prefer writing music for action scenes dramatic scenes romantic scenes sex scenes what's your favorite scene to write music for you know they all have their pros and cons i enjoy a scene where i have some room to stretch out 
and and try something new, whether that be just you know, say an sexy. Scene. Actually, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, really get right down to it. Uh, you know, just any any time that that you can do something different. You know, I, I like surprising myself. You know, yeah. you you see a scene and you go, "Wow, I I didn't even see that coming." When you put the music together with the with the movie, mm-hmm. you know, and you find those little nooks and crannies where things fit. You know, and the, and I, I kind of I say you know when the music sticks to the picture, and it, that's uh, what I love. It just all sounds so sexual to me. Nooks, crannies, and sticks. Um, <laughs> when when you are writing a uh, when when you are doing a music for a sex scene, I presume you have to spend like a lot of time just watching a sex scene. You watch it over and over yeah. and over in your dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you end up watching scenes <laughs> over and over anyway. Yeah. You know, um, God. and it, it, if the scene's pleasant to watch, then that just makes my job easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are you working on at the moment? I am actually working on a pilot uh, for Josh Schwartz, who is co-creator and executive producer of Chuck. And he's doing a pilot called The Broad Squad, which is about the uh, first four female graduates of the Boston Police Academy in 1978. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. It's very cool. That sounds good. It's it's a great script. Uh, I really like the people involved and having a lot of fun. We're, We're sort of... They're shooting right now, and I'm kind of heavily into figuring out what the music needs to be. Oh, great. Uh, we always ask people, Tim, what is the other favorite TV show or box set? What are the shows that you love, might be watching right now, or just love to rewatch? Uh, well, I'm going to go way back, and I'm going to say that, that one of the shows that got me into film scoring in the first place was Miami Vice. Yeah. Uh, music on that was fantastic. Jan Hammer. Um, that really, really sparked my interest in synthesizers and scoring in particular. You know, there's a lot of great stuff on TV right now. I love, love Sherlock. Oh, really? Um, Oh, don't get me started. Love everything about that show. I feel really let down by it, Tim. Do you really? I'm not going to go on a rant. I've done it on a previous podcast. I think that the first series was absolutely amazing. They started to, these, uh, you know, 90-minute things where... There was the episode of the wedding and the one that oh, season where they I gotta just kind of agree with you. They there. spent so much time on the backstory and like we give that much of a crap about whether Sherlock's gay or not and what you know how much they love each other and stuff. It's a who done it, you know? Right, right. He's a detective and he, he solves these amazing crimes. So it's one of those yeah, things no, where I, you feel let down, down by something because it it has the ability to be so so good that you go no you need to be you need to be even more on top of your game than people who are crap you know but i mean just martin freeman you know oh, he's yes. amazing. He's really I, I would watch that guy give a tax seminar you know? <laughs> <laughs> the guy is amazing you know just the tiniest little nuances on his face you know yeah have you done just, fargo uh, as yeah, well yeah you said fargo I haven't. Oh, he's brilliant. <gasps> You've got to watch it. It's, it's on okay. Netflix and uh, it's, oh, it's so good. all about that. Oh, I man. didn't know he was in it. Oh, I can't believe it. It's brilliant. It's obviously... it's the. It's the I, think it's, I think it's the best thing I've seen. I think he's brilliant in it. He's really good. Uh, the TV series, uh, not the film. Sorry, yeah, yeah, the TV show, yeah. Yeah, I have make a new sure show to watch now. Make sure you don't sit through the whole film and then... Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. That's it. Oh, man. 
that's the stuff. Can you write something as good as that, Tim? Have you ever written anything as good as this? I think so. I think I, I think I delved into that uh, realm in shock, actually. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. piece of music, eh? But Vangelis as well. He was. Uh, he must have been a big influence because that's huge of... influence. Yeah. Blade Runner is is in my top five. Yes. Wow. Right then, wow. Tim. You, well, your mission, yes, is to write the <laughs> box set theme, and you can have as me- as much synth as you want in there. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's in f- awesome. In fact, that's your mission. Write us a write us something that won't get sued, but is inspired by. Okay. And it only needs to be twenty seconds, thirty seconds, whatever. Done. I'll I'll do that before lunch. Wow. <laughs> oh, look wow. at that! Look at that! What <laughs> a guy, uh, Tim! It's been great talking to you. Thank we you. will um, let's speak again sometime. And I apologise again for uh, nobody knows this, but my car breaking down. And also, Tim's been waiting for us for an hour because we got the time zone wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I got plenty to do. It, it was. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you for oh, having me. You. What happens in LA on a Thursday Thursday morning then? Guitar and some drums and music for the 1970s. Nice. Well, listen, your music made me weep. I love your work. Thank uh, you so much for talking you. to us, Tim. And the uh, the album... It's just called Chuck, uh, the soundtrack. It's and, just called uh, Chuck and it's there now. Search for it, you will find it, and it's, uh, it's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, guys. Jamie, how I, my, uh, my appreciation for having me on. No, no you too. Is there anything you want me to play for you, just to say oh, goodbye? God. You got it. Yes. There you Whoa, go. Yeah. That's the end there on a high. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Not you, Tim. Not on the other line. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.